This is News Source 1 Mikiana. Welcome to your new afternoon and evening edition of News 2 Go. All the news and feature segments to keep you entertained and enlightened. With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. White House says the United States will expand its sanctions on Russia. That in response to the invasion of Ukraine by targeting members of the country's parliament and the central bank's gold reserves, Washington also increasing its humanitarian assistance by welcoming 100,000 Ukrainian refugees and providing an additional $1 billion in food, medicine, and other supplies. Meanwhile, President Biden and world leaders meeting throughout the day today at an extraordinary trio of summits in Brussels. And Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky calling on people worldwide to demonstrate their support. Fierce resistance from Ukraine's defenders has denied Moscow the lightning victory it sought, and with their ground campaign bogged down, Russian forces have bombarded targets from afar by air and sea. The U.S. has made a formal determination that Russian troops have committed war crimes. The State Department's Beth Van Scott. We've been shocked by images of Russian forces and strikes hitting civilian sites in Mariupol, including the maternity hospital, a museum, and an art school. Ben Thomas, Washington. Also at SRNNews.com, shareholders of embattled Japanese electronics giant Toshiba rejecting a major restructuring plan. The plan proposed by management last month called for splitting Tokyo-based Toshiba into two companies, one focused on infrastructure and the other on devices. Foreign investment funds and U.S.-based proxy advisory firm Institutional Shareholder Services opposed the plan. Shareholders also rejected a request from major shareholder 3D Investment Partners based in Singapore for a fuller objective review of alternatives, including a buyout. That is correspondent Jeremy House reporting in Washington. This is SRN News. NBC going all in when it comes to transgenderism. The network has presented an opinion piece by Purdue University's Dr. Cheryl Cookie in which she states that the recent victories by a man at the NCAA Women's Swimming Championships should be celebrated by, quote, anyone who cares about the advancement of sports and women's sports in particular. Dr. Cookie goes on to make the remarkable statement that a man competing against women is comparable to Jackie Robinson breaking baseball's color barrier in 1947. Michael Harrington, SRN News. Idaho becoming the first state to enact a law modeled after a Texas statute that bans abortion as soon as the unborn child's heartbeat can be detected. Republican Governor Brad Little signing the measure, which allows enforcement through private lawsuits so as to avoid constitutional court challenges. The law in that state scheduled to take effect in 30 days. This is SRN News. Solomon Islands negotiating a deal with China that could see the Pacific nation used as a base for Chinese warships. That is something that has Australia very worried. The two countries have just signed an agreement in which China will help the Solomon Islands with policing, but a leaked document suggests they're also pursuing a wider security arrangement. It says China wants to be able to dock its naval vessels in the Solomon Islands as Beijing sees fit. Australia has traditionally provided the Solomon Islands with security assistance, as it did when unrest broke out there last year. 
It's already reacted to this latest news, saying it's concerned about facing China in what it sees as its own backyard. That is the BBC correspondent Michael Bristow reporting on Wall Street at this hour. Everything looks positive. The Dow is up 256 points. More details at srnnews.com. At Princess Cruises, we take pride in discovering what makes you feel special. From making Judy's Margarita spicy, but not too spicy, to making sure Tom's Day Ashore is full of dog sledding and a glacier or two. A vacation with Princess is all about making sure you feel taken care of. It's what we do best. Get the Princess treatment and sail to Alaska for up to 40% off. Book now at princess.com. Offer ends May 31st, 2022. Terms and restrictions apply. Ships of Bermudan and British Registry. The proceedings from the Senate confirmation hearings for Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson still has much of the country waiting on the outcome. It's likely that we are witnessing history as Judge Brown-Jackson moves ever closer to her seat on the Supreme Court of the United States, the first Black woman ever to do so. The second day of questioning, however, has had a few more noteworthy moments. After an invigorating and energizing discussion yesterday, Andrea Coleman, news director for the Black Information Network, rejoins us to discuss the Senate confirmation proceedings. This is Our Daily Story, and I'm your host, Ramses Cha. Welcome back, Andrea. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Ramses? I'm, I'm great, and another exciting day, so let's get right to it. Okay. Uh, so the second day, uh, the second and last day of questioning has taken place in the confirmation hearings of Supreme Court nominee Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson. What was discussed? Well, you know, pretty much the same issues and topics as the first day of questioning, right? I mean, they included questions on Judge Brown Jackson's judicial philosophy, which she has consistently said she doesn't have one. She says instead she has a methodology that she uses where she approaches each case before her from a position of neutrality and then considers all pertinent facts, factors, laws, guidelines, and so forth, as well as other considerations before making a decision. She was also asked about her representation of Guantanamo Bay detainees and how one of the people that she defended ended up being a pro bono client at the private firm that she worked at after leaving her position as a public defender. Now, she apparently wrote a brief in a case, but did not represent him personally. She says he signed on with the firm's LA office, uh, and she worked out of the DC office. But apparently members of the firm called her and asked her to help with the brief because she had worked on the case. And so from what I understand, that's a very standard practice at law firms, right? Uh, So she was then also asked about her opinion of expanding the Supreme Court her definition of marriage and transgender-related issues and so forth. And then one committee member also even asked her to define a woman, uh, which, you know, she said, well, when looking at my mom, I know she's a woman. When looking at myself, I know I'm a woman and so forth and so on. Uh, She also reminded the, the committee members that in some of these instances, she didn't feel comfortable responding or answering because she didn't want to form any kind of conflict of interest knowing that she could very well be confirmed. Um, So at all times, she's keeping her composure. But the issue that dogged her all day by Republicans was her sentencing record for child pornography defendants. That continued just to be uh, the issue that Republican committee members just bore and tore into. So they pressed her so hard on that issue that at one point, Judge Jackson just simply refused to answer their questions anymore. She graciously said, or graciously, pardon me, said that she had already answered the question and stood by that answer. Mm. Okay, so how how do you think the second day of questioning compared with the first day of questioning overall? Where the tone of day one, uh, where that tone was hostile, maybe cautiously hostile, let's say day two, in my opinion, was just nasty. 
the attacks by some Republican committee members just seemed mean. I mean, it was clear that their intent was to derail her nomination by causing her to appear not just soft on crime, but sometimes insensitive to the feelings and well-being of the victims and their families of these crimes, right? Uh, And there are also several heated exchanges between Democratic Chairman Dick Durbin and Republican committee members. A couple of those most notable ones was one where Durbin and Senator Lindsey Graham, uh, who was one of the first Republican senators to speak, uh, but he would not relinquish the floor. And he just pressed and pressed and pressed until uh, finally he gave gave in, but it was like 10 minutes after his allotted time was up. and he was just wanting to continue, continuously try and make his points and uh, to get Judge Jackson to respond to questions that she felt she'd already answered. Uh, his whole demeanor and disposition toward her was just, I don't know, in my opinion, it was filled with hostility and, and angst. And it was clear to see. It was like he was trying to make a point. Uh, and he, again, uh, just kept making references to conservative judges or people who had been nominated and were treated poorly. Uh, but, you know, in this instance, it's not like Judge Jackson was the one who was doing the harm, it was previous members of that committee who were no longer serving in some instances on it. Uh, so it's almost as though she was falling victim to the actions and the attitudes of people that she probably or may not even ever had encountered uh, or had relationships with. Uh, and then there was a couple of tense moments between Chairman Durbin and Senator Ted Cruz. Now, uh, Cruz just refused to relinquish the floor, and he kept pressing Judge Jackson about her sentencing record on one case in particular, which she had already explained. Uh, Other notable contentious Questioning came from Josh Howley out of Missouri and Tom Cotton, or Cotton, pardon me, out of Arkansas. And, and it's interesting to note that I understand that both of these men are running or thinking about running for president in the future. And some pundits and political commentators say that they believe uh, that in some of these instances, it may not even be so much about Judge Jackson, but it may be about these Republicans who, especially those who are looking to run for larger offices in the future, really playing up to their base. Hmm. Now, you mentioned uh, Senator Lindsey Graham mentioning uh, a black conservative judge that he alleged was not treated fairly when she was nominated for a federal judgeship many years ago. Who is he talking about and what happened in that situation? So the judge that he referenced today was Judge Janice Rogers Brown, and apparently she was a California Supreme Court Associate Justice who was nominated to the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit, which is the same circuit uh, and the same court that Judge Jackson sits on now. She was nominated in 2003 by then-President George W. Bush. Her confirmation, however, took two years uh, because Democrats reportedly fought hard against her nomination, filibustered it, and so forth. Well, eventually she was was confirmed and served on the same court again uh, as Judge Jackson now sits on, and she was confirmed by a bipartisan effort. So uh, Democrats did relinquish some of their resistance, and uh, Republicans were able to get their nominee through. According to the Washington Post, however, she was seen as an extreme conservative. It sounds uh, like even some conservatives may have found her ideals to be a little extreme. The Washington Post quoted a conservative columnist, uh, you may remember George Will, as saying that Judge Janice Rogers' Brown was so out of the mainstream of conservative Judas prudence uh, that it was even uh, difficult for some conservatives to accept some of her ideologies and rulings. Another journalist reportedly said that uh, she had like an adventuresome jurist, or that's how they categorized her as an adventuresome jurist. Uh, so it seems as though even in the context of the conservative party, uh, she may have had some detractors. Nonetheless, again, she was eventually confirmed. And from what I understand, she served a number of years on the D.C. Appellate Circuit Court. 
At Princess Cruises, we take pride in discovering what makes you feel special. From making Judy's Margarita spicy, but not too spicy, to making sure Tom's Day Ashore is full of dog sledding and a glacier or two. A vacation with Princess is all about making sure you feel taken care of. It's what we do best. Get the Princess treatment and sail to Alaska for up to 40% off. Book now at princess.com. Offer ends May 31st, 2022. Terms and restrictions apply. Ships of Bermudan and British Registry. Here with us discussing the Senate confirmation proceedings for Judge Katanji Brown Jackson is my guest, Andrea Coleman, news director for the Black Information Network. Now, something I was curious about, is the public allowed to attend the hearings? From what I understand, they are in a limited capacity. So I read somewhere that 60 members of the public are allowed in at one time and are rotated in and out throughout the day. Uh, Now, it is worth noting that while this committee is made up of only senators, there were a couple of black representatives that have been present throughout the meetings or the hearings. Uh, One is Representative Sheila Jackson Lee out of Houston, Texas. She has been there at least two of the three days the hearings have taken place. Georgia Representative Nakima Williams, um, she also was there on the first day of questioning and representative al green from houston texas was also there on the second day of questioning Uh, and he actually was referenced i there was a moment when uh senator lindsey graham made reference to him apparently he came in and uh, he spoke during a break to uh, senator graham and mentioned how you know he uh, i guess he was very complimentary toward the nominee uh but you know representative graham actually uh, pardon me senator graham uh took the advantage of that comment to then come in and talk about the treatment that, again, uh, Justice uh, Janice Rogers Brown had received in the past. So uh, even those kind of friendly kind of interactions were being used uh, sometimes in, you know, a kind of political way uh, that may have not been quite what uh, Representative Green was meaning when he went up and spoke with him. Got it. Uh, Is there any indication so far if Judge Jackson will or won't be confirmed? You know, it's hard to know. Uh, I, I think today's line of questioning was so intense, it will be interesting to see if the Republicans' line of questioning gets any feedback from the public in a way that may sway senators who are not on the committee uh, to reject her nomination. It's, it's, it's really hard to know. On the flip side of that, their nastiness could actually possibly win the votes of senators who feel maybe they pushed uh, a little too far and were a bit unfair. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, and some of that commentation or the, the comments uh, hopefully will start flowing again once the hearings are over and we can kind of get some kind of read on what not only the public is feeling, but even maybe some of the senators. Well, what happens now that the questioning is over? Well, the last day of the hearings is dedicated to uh, testimony from outside members of the community. So we're going to hear from, um, uh, I guess, different members of the community, and I'm not certain how they're selected. Uh, but we're going to also hear from members of the American Bar Association, and that's an association of lawyers and law students. And their testimony, from what I understand, will speak to Judge Jackson's character. Okay. Well, before we let you go, what are some of the highlights from the day? All right. So now this is from my perspective, right? So uh, th- they may vary depending on uh, who you speak to, um, but just, uh, and I hope I'm not, I'm not crossing any boundaries as a journalist, but I'll give you my three. My first is the nominee herself, who has consistently presented with grace and composure. And when looking at the nastiness of the attacks, especially on the second day of questioning, Judge Jackson has endured with such grace. Uh, I couldn't help but think of how the pinnacle or at the pinnacle of her career as a black woman, she still has to endure that kind of nastiness and the verbal nastiness of those attacks. 
And no matter how disdainful the questioning got, she held her own. Now, some of it may be political, and in a way, that could be a compliment to her, right? Because the treatment by Republicans may be a testament of who she is. I mean, it could very well be that by their being so nasty, or they are being so nasty, uh, because her career and character have been so impeccable that they have nothing else to use to block her nomination. The second highlight to me is the tone and the, and the integrity that the chairman of these hearings is bringing to that forum. Chairman Dick Dermott has brought these proceedings uh, and tries to maintain a line of integrity to the best of his ability, uh, even before these contentious members of the Republican Party, with such ease uh, and such diligence. And to me, that committee, uh, it just makes it a little bit more palatable when you see this onslaught of our on uh, this assault, actually, uh, against the nominee, uh, and then you're able to come back to the mediator of that hearing uh, and allow him to bring the tone down, uh, bring the committee back into focus, uh, and do it with such diligence. So uh, I don't know. I just I just think his leadership in this forum has been remarkable. Sure. And then lastly, um, the lone African American senator on that panel, Senator Cory Booker. Mm. Cannot put into words what he interjects into these hearings. I mean, and it's not so much the support he gives her, right? I mean, that's evident. But it's the way he gives it so passionately and so unapologetically free and culturally affirming. He steps in and feels every aspect of brotherhood to sisterhood that you could ever want in a situation in an environment like this. I mean, if ever I had to fight a battle before Congress, I would want him in my ring with me <laughs> as he is with her, right? Sure. Anyone who has not seen his comments today will want to take a moment to listen to what he spoke to Judge Jackson today. And, you know, I think I will even listen to this speech the rest of my life and draw inspiration and strength from it. It's one of those history-making moments uh, where every Black family may want to go ahead and get a recording of that thing, tuck it in their library, and play it back anytime they need a moment of inspiration, motivation, or encouragement during times of stress, struggle, and hardship. It was that good. I, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you once again for your time and your insight. Uh, today's guest, one more time, is Andrea Coleman, News Director for the Black Information Network. And we will be bringing you more highlights from the Senate confirmation hearings as the nation moves towards confirming its first Black woman to the Supreme Court. Check back in with us tomorrow as we continue to follow this developing story. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Follow us on all social media at Our Daily Story Podcast. I am your host, Ramses Ja. Join us tomorrow as we tell our stories with our voice from our perspective, right here on Our Daily Story. Your it's the what? Hip-hop questions, legends, and lists. It's your girl, Nyla Simone, alongside Mouse Jones. And we're back for season two of the what? Hip-hop questions, legends, and lists. Each week, the what poses unanswered yet nagging questions discussed in hip-hop circles and group chats, and we help find the answers. Make sure you tune in each and every Monday for new episodes of the what? Hip-hop questions, legends, and lists. Subscribe to the what? Hip-hop questions, legends, and lists on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It is Friday Eve. Let's look at your National Weather Service forecast. Thursday showers likely, mainly after 2 p.m. Cloudy, with a high near 47. Southwest wind around 15 mph, with gusts as high as 20 mph. Chance of precipitation is 70%.
New precipitation amounts between a tenth and quarter of an inch possible. Thursday night showers likely, mainly before 8 p.m. Cloudy, with a low around 36. West wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 60%. Friday a 50% chance of showers after 2 p.m. Mostly cloudy, with a high near 50. West wind 10 to 15 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. Friday night a chance of rain showers before 2 a.m., then a chance of rain and snow showers. Mostly cloudy, with a low around 31. West wind around 15 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 25 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 50%. Saturday a 30% chance of snow showers, mainly before 8 a.m. Mostly cloudy, with a high near 38. Breezy. Saturday night mostly cloudy, with a low around 26. Sunday partly sunny, with a high near 34. New tonight, we are hearing from the 16-year-old driver who somehow survives this encounter with a tornado in Eglin, Texas, Monday. Storm Chaser video captures that red pickup being flipped on its side, spun around, then flipped right side again, allowing the team to then drive away. Riley Leone says he knew there was going to be stormy weather on Monday, but he had a job interview he didn't want to miss. <laughs> the viral video went viral, rather, before he even got back home. I had actually gotten home from, from the wreck, and my brother was like, have you, have you seen the video? And I was like, what video? And he showed it to me, and I was like, that's actually me. And he was like, are you for real? I was like, yeah, thankful to God for giving me another chance in this life. Because he, he probably did it because of a reason. He's probably in the future going to bring better plans into my life. Oh, we certainly hope so. Riley says he's still processing his near-death experience, but right now he is uh, mostly upset about the truck because, you see, it was his dad's, and he worked hard to be able to buy it from him. However, he's already getting calls from dealerships interested in helping Riley out. And, oh, by the way, that job interview he didn't want to miss, it was a Whataburger. He got the job. He starts on Monday. How about that for a story? <laughs> I tell you. You know, it's good to hear from him because that video was so incredible. It's as if our eyes deceived us when mm. I first saw it. I yeah. don't know about you guys. I was like, wait a minute. That truck flipped back up and drove away. Well, it looked like I couldn't believe it was a truck. Yeah. Yes. It, it looked like something much smaller. Yeah, it looked like a movie. Yeah. It looked like to me. It looked like a movie. But, but there I'm he is. Glad that young man's got his job yes. at Waterbury. We had to go there and get a double meat and a strawberry shake oh that sounds like a good outing <laughs> doesn't that sound a little good? far but we're willing to drive yeah, yeah cannon can drive <laughs> hi i'm pastor joel of heart city church when i get to heaven one saint i look forward to meeting is pastor george mueller a 19th century preacher who pastored the same church for 66 years and refused to take a salary pastor mueller he set up five orphan houses and he housed over 10,000 orphans and he never once took out a loan or went into debt. George Mueller trusted God to provide. And he led many of these orphans to Christ, and he had a ritual when a child became old enough to live on their own. Mueller would go and he would pray for the child, and then he would have them open their two hands. He would press a Bible in their right hand, and he would press a coin into their left. And he promised that if they would hold on to what was in their right hand, God would always make sure that there is something in their left hand as well. Mueller was grounded in Psalm 84, 
and verse 11 in particular. Friend, take Psalm 84:11 in. Listen. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Did you hear that? No good thing does God withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Now, blameless does not mean sinless. Blameless means you're living in a trust and obey way. You hear God's word, you take it seriously, and you repent every time you fail. It is super simple to be blameless. I'm not saying it's easy, but it is simple. And that means, friend, Psalm 84:11 is an amazing promise. Do you hear what God is guaranteeing? No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. What would happen if you and I really, truly believed that and appropriated it? And I mean from the top of our heads all the way down to our toes, we believed that God will never withhold any good thing from those who live for him. I challenge you, friend, to take this pearl of a verse and roll it around in your hand today and tomorrow and every day after until you reach glory. You know, this is the final verse Pastor George Mueller read to his beloved wife, Mary, right before she died. And he prayed that God would restore her of her sickness, believing that God would withhold no good thing from him. But God did not answer this prayer, and Mary died. And you may say, wait a minute, Joel. God was not true to his promise. Actually, that verse is what gave Pastor Mueller the strength to endure the loss of his wife. He told the folks who gathered at Mary's funeral how he prayed this verse and left it with God. He said this, Therefore, if it is really good for me, my darling wife will be raised up again, sick as she is. God will restore her again. But if she is not restored again, then it would not be a good thing for me. And so my heart was at rest. I was satisfied with God. And all this springs, as I have often said before, from taking God at his word, believing what he says. Pastor Mueller realized it was not a good thing for his wife to remain with him, that it was better for him to go the rest of his days without her. And if you read his story, I think you'll find this to be true. I also think he realized it was better for Mary because he knew what else Psalm 84 taught. Psalm 84 begins, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself. And verse 10 adds, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Psalm 84 begins with longing to be in God's dwelling place, in God's courts, the majestic courts of God. They're actually a place where even the little sparrow is welcome. A little swallow can make its nest in God's dwelling. I couldn't help but think that Mueller's heart for orphans, for little children with nowhere to call home, those so small and inconsequential to the eyes of the world, and yet Mueller would take them in. I think Mueller wanted them to see in his own dwelling place, in these orphan houses, a little picture, a dim picture of the glories of heaven, that there is a place for everyone in God's house. But he also knew that earth was not comparable to heaven. What is it like to be in the courts of God? Friends, we have no context for understanding how great it is. Think of the greatest place on earth you could possibly be, where you could go, where you want to be, 
and being in God's courts is a thousand times better. And George knew that was where his beloved wife Mary now was. And George could rest in that, knowing that even as much as he missed his wife, God was not withholding any good thing from her now. And when George died at age 92, he got to join her and experience God's goodness in all its fullness. Trust and obey God, my friend, and know that he will withhold no good thing from you. Friend, remember who you are and who you belong to. At Princess Cruises, we take pride in discovering what makes you feel special. From making Judy's Margarita spicy, but not too spicy, to making sure Tom's Day Ashore is full of dog sledding and a glacier or two. A vacation with Princess is all about making sure you feel taken care of. It's what we do best. Get the Princess treatment and sail to Alaska for up to 40% off. Book now at princess.com. Offer ends May 31st, 2022. Terms and restrictions apply. Ships of Bermudan and British Registry. The proceedings from the Senate confirmation hearings for Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson still has much of the country waiting on the outcome. It's likely that we are witnessing history as Judge Brown Jackson moves ever closer to her seat on the Supreme Court of the United States, the first black woman ever to do so. The second day of questioning, however, has had a few more noteworthy moments. After an invigorating and energizing discussion yesterday, Andrea Coleman, news director for the Black Information Network, rejoins us to discuss the Senate confirmation proceedings. This is our daily story, and I am your host, Ramses Cha. Welcome back, Andrea. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Ramses? I'm, I'm great, and another exciting day. So let's get right to it. Okay. Uh, so the second day, uh, the second and last day of questioning has taken place in the confirmation hearings of Supreme Court nominee Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. What was discussed? Well, you know, pretty much the same issues and topics as the first day of questioning, right? I mean, they included questions on Judge Brown Jackson's judicial philosophy, which she has consistently said she doesn't have one. She says instead she has a methodology that she uses where she approaches each case before her from a position of neutrality and then considers all pertinent facts, factors, laws, guidelines, and so forth, as well as other considerations before making a decision. She was also asked about her representation of Guantanamo Bay detainees and how one of the people that she defended ended up being a pro bono client at the private firm that she worked at after leaving her position as a public defender. Now, she apparently wrote a brief in a case, but did not represent him personally. She says he signed on with the firm's LA office, uh, and she worked out of the DC office. But apparently members of the firm called her and asked her to help with the brief because she had worked on the case. And so from what I understand, that's a very standard practice at law firms, right? Uh, so she was then also asked about her opinion of expanding the Supreme Court her definition of marriage and transgender-related issues and so forth. And then one committee member also even asked her to define a woman, uh, which, you know, she said, well, when looking at my mom, I know she's a woman. When looking at myself, I know I'm a woman and so forth and so on. Uh, she also reminded the, the committee members that in some of these instances, she didn't feel comfortable responding or answering because she didn't want to form any kind of conflict of interest knowing that she could very well be confirmed. Um, sure, so sure. at all times, she's keeping her composure. But the issue that dogged her all day by Republicans was her sentencing record for child pornography defendants. That continued just to be uh, the issue that Republican committee members just bore and tore into. So they pressed her so hard on that issue that at one point, Judge Jackson just simply refused to answer their questions anymore. She graciously said, or graciously, pardon me, said that she had already answered the question and stood by that answer. 
Okay. So how, how do you think the second day of questioning compared with the first day of questioning overall? Well, the tone of day one, uh, where that tone was hostile, maybe cautiously hostile, let's say. Day two, in my opinion, was just nasty. Uh, the attacks by some Republican committee members just seemed mean. I mean, it was clear that their intent was to derail her nomination by causing her to appear not just soft on crime, but sometimes insensitive to the feelings and well-being of the victims and their families of these crimes, right? Uh, and there are also several heated exchanges between Democratic Chairman Dick Durbin and Republican committee members. A couple of those most notable ones was one where Durbin and Senator Lindsey Graham, uh, who was one of the first Republican senators to speak, uh, but he would not relinquish the floor. And he just pressed and pressed and pressed until uh, finally he gave he gave in, but it was like 10 minutes after his allotted time was up. Uh, and he was just wanting to continue continuously try and make his points and uh, to get Judge Jackson to respond to questions that she felt she had already answered. Uh, his whole demeanor and disposition toward her was just, I don't know, in my opinion, it was filled with hostility and, and angst. And it was clear to see. It was like he was trying to make a point. Uh, and he, again, uh, just kept making references to conservative judges or people who had been nominated and were treated poorly. Uh, but, you know, in this instance, it's not like Judge Jackson was the one who was doing the harm, it was previous members of that committee who were no longer serving in some instances on it. Uh, so it's almost as though she was falling victim to the actions and the attitudes of people that she probably or may not even ever had encountered uh, or had relationships with. Uh, and then there was a couple of tense moments between Chairman Durbin and Senator Ted Cruz. Now, uh, Cruz just refused to relinquish the floor, and he kept pressing Judge Jackson about her sentencing record on one case in particular, which she had already explained. Uh, other notable contentious uh, questioning came from Josh Howley out of Missouri and Tom Cotton, or Cotton, pardon me, out of Arkansas. And, and it's interesting to note that I understand that both of these men are running or thinking about running for president in the future. And some pundits and political commentators say that they believe uh, that in some of these instances, it may not even be so much about Judge Jackson, but it may be about these Republicans, who, especially those who are looking to run for larger offices in the future, really playing up to their base. Hmm. Now, you mentioned uh, Senator Lindsey Graham mentioning uh, a black conservative judge that he alleged was not treated fairly when she was nominated for a federal judgeship many years ago. Who is he talking about and what happened in that situation? So the judge that he referenced today was Judge Janice Rogers Brown, and apparently she was a California Supreme Court associate justice who was nominated to the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit, which is the same circuit uh, and the same court that Judge Jackson sits on now. She was nominated in 2003 by then-President George W. Bush. Her confirmation, however, took two years uh, because Democrats reportedly fought hard against her nomination, filibustered it, and so forth. Well, eventually, she was was confirmed and served on the same court again uh, as Judge Jackson now sits on, and she was confirmed by a bipartisan effort. So uh, Democrats did relinquish some of their resistance, and uh, Republicans were able to get their nominee through. According to the Washington Post, however, she was seen as an extreme conservative. It sounds uh, like even some conservatives may have found her ideals to be a little extreme. The Washington Post quoted a conservative columnist, uh, you may remember George Will, as saying that Judge Janice Rogers 
Brown was so out of the mainstream of conservative Judas prudence uh, that it was even uh, difficult for some conservatives to accept some of her ideologies and rulings. Another journalist reportedly said that uh, she had like an adventuresome jurist, or that's how they categorized her as an adventuresome jurist. Uh, so it seems as though even in the context of the conservative party, uh, she may have had some detractors. Nonetheless, again, she was eventually confirmed. And from what I understand, she served a number of years on the D.C. Appellate Circuit Court. At Princess Cruises, we take pride in discovering what makes you feel special. From making Judy's Margarita spicy, but not too spicy, to making sure Tom's Day Ashore is full of dog sledding and a glacier or two. A vacation with Princess is all about making sure you feel taken care of. It's what we do best. Get the Princess treatment and sail to Alaska for up to 40% off. Book now at princess.com. Offer ends May 31st, 2022. Terms and restrictions apply. Ships of Bermudan and British Registry. Here with us discussing the Senate confirmation proceedings for Judge Katanji Brown Jackson is my guest, Andrea Coleman, news director for the Black Information Network. Now, something I was curious about, is the public allowed to attend the hearings? From what I understand, they are in a limited capacity. So I read somewhere that 60 members of the public are allowed in at one time and are rotated in and out throughout the day. Uh, now, it is worth noting that while this committee is made up of only senators, there were a couple of black representatives that have been present throughout the meetings or the hearings. Uh, one is Representative Sheila Jackson Lee out of Houston, Texas. She has been there at least two of the three days the hearings have taken place. Georgia Representative Nakima Williams, um, she also was there on the first day of questioning and representative al green from houston texas was also there on the second day of questioning uh, and he actually was referenced i there was a moment when uh senator lindsey graham made reference to him apparently he came in and uh, he spoke during a break to uh, senator graham and mentioned how you know he uh, i guess he was very complimentary toward the nominee uh but you know representative graham actually uh, pardon me senator graham uh, took the advantage of that comment to then come in and talk about the treatment that, again, uh, Justice uh, Janice Rogers Brown had received in the past. So uh, even those kind of friendly kind of interactions were being used uh, sometimes in, you know, a kind of political way uh, that may have not been quite what uh, Representative Green was meaning when he went up and spoke with him. Got it. Uh, is there any indication so far if Judge Jackson will or won't be confirmed? You know, it's hard to know. Uh, I, I think today's line of questioning was so intense, it will be interesting to see if the Republicans' line of questioning gets any feedback from the public in a way that may sway senators who are not on the committee uh, to reject her nomination. It's, it's, it's really hard to know. On the flip side of that, their nastiness could actually possibly win the votes of senators who feel maybe they pushed uh, a little too far and were a bit unfair. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, and some of that commentation or the, the comments uh, hopefully will start flowing again once the hearings are over and we can kind of get some kind of read on what not only the public is feeling, but even maybe some of the senators. Well, what happens now that the questioning is over? Well, the last day of the hearings is dedicated to uh, testimony from outside members of the community. So we're going to hear from, um, uh, I guess, different members of the community, and I'm not certain how they're selected. Uh, but we're going to also hear from members of the American Bar Association, and that's an association of lawyers and law students. And their testimony, from what I understand, will speak to Judge Jackson's character. Okay. Well, before we let you go, what are some of the highlights from the day? All right. So now this is from my perspective, right? So uh, 
they may vary depending on uh, who you speak to, um, but just, uh, and I hope I'm not, I'm not crossing any boundaries as a journalist, but I'll give you my three. My first is the nominee herself, who has consistently presented with grace and composure. And when looking at the nastiness of the attacks, especially on the second day of questioning, Judge Jackson has endured with such grace. Uh, I couldn't help but think of how the pinnacle or at the pinnacle of her career as a black woman, she still has to endure that kind of nastiness and the verbal nastiness of those attacks. And no matter how disdainful the questioning got, she held her own. Now, some of it may be political, and in a way, that could be a compliment to her, right? Because the treatment by Republicans may be a testament of who she is. I mean, it could very well be that by their being so nasty, or they are being so nasty, uh, because her career and character have been so impeccable that they have nothing else to use to block her nomination. The second highlight to me is the tone and the, and the integrity that the chairman of these hearings is bringing to that forum. Chairman Dick Dermott has brought these proceedings uh, and tries to maintain a line of integrity to the best of his ability, uh, even before these contentious members of the Republican Party, with such ease uh, and such diligence. And to me, that committee, uh, it just makes it a little bit more palatable when you see this onslaught of our on uh, this assault, actually, uh, against the nominee, uh, and then you're able to come back to the mediator of that hearing uh, and allow him to bring the tone down, uh, bring the committee back into focus, uh, and do it with such diligence. So uh, I don't know. I just I just think his leadership in this forum has been remarkable. Sure, and sure. then lastly, um, the lone African American senator on that panel, Senator Cory Booker. Mm. <clears throat> cannot put into words what he interjects into these hearings. I mean, and it's not so much the support he gives her, right? I mean, that's evident. But it's the way he gives it so passionately and so unapologetically free and culturally affirming. He steps in and feels every aspect of brotherhood to sisterhood that you could ever want in a situation in an environment like this. I mean, if ever I had to fight a battle before Congress, I would want him in my ring with me <laughs> as he is with her, right? Sure. Anyone who has not seen his comments today will want to take a moment to listen to what he spoke to Judge Jackson today. And, you know, I think I will even listen to this speech the rest of my life and draw inspiration and strength from it. It's one of those history-making moments uh, where every Black family may want to go ahead and get a recording of that thing, tuck it in their library, and play it back anytime they need a moment of inspiration, motivation, or encouragement during times of stress, struggle, and hardship. It was that good. I, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you once again for your time and your insight. Uh, today's guest, one more time, is Andrea Coleman, News Director for the Black Information Network. And we will be bringing you more highlights from the Senate confirmation hearings as the nation moves towards confirming its first Black woman to the Supreme Court. Check back in with us tomorrow as we continue to follow this developing story. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Follow us on all social media at Our Daily Story Podcast. I am your host, Ramses Ja. Join us tomorrow as we tell our stories with our voice from our perspective, right here on Our Daily Story. Your is the what? Hip-hop questions, legends, and lists. It's your girl, Nyla Simone, alongside Mouse Jones. And we're back for season two of the what? Hip-hop questions, legends, and lists. Each week, the what poses unanswered yet nagging questions discussed in hip-hop circles 
and group chats, and we help find the answers. Make sure you tune in each and every Monday for new episodes of The What? Hip Hop Questions, Legends, and Lists. Subscribe to The What? Hip Hop Questions, Legends, and Lists on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is News Source 1 Michiana, Elkhart South Bend, 